reaching Israel and the world and the world. Ruchim Habayim, Basham Adonai, welcome, beloved ones, in the name of the Lord. Good to be with you today, and Cynthia Marjorie, my love. I want to talk about the fact of becoming more and more aware of pride in our hearts. You know, it's, it's something that every single human being on earth has to deal with and understand. And the closer we get to the Lord, the more we're aware yeah. of what thoughts we have or what attitudes that we have that are not rooted in the humility of Yeshua, right. but are rooted rather in Satan who was kicked out of heaven because of pride. And a lot of times we have pride, we're not even aware of it. Yeah, there's all different levels of it. We think, oh, the Lord's ridded, it, ridded me of pride. But then the next thing we know, uh, as we walk through life, something else will come up and we'll realize that there's another level of pride that we need to deal with before the awesome God that we serve. There's another level. And even being humble before each other, that's where the Holy Spirit's really spoken to me, is, is to humble, humble ourselves before each other is another level that we need to go into. Yeah, and we're gonna see today that those that were able to live in humility, were able to receive Yeshua, those that allowed pride to rule their lives rejected him and were not able to perceive who he was. And the same is true for us. Today, we're continuing our journey through the Gospel of Yochanan, which is the Hebrew word for John. We're actually in season eight right now. This is the second episode in season eight, Mysteries in the Gospel of John, deep things that are not always perceived with the mind, but have to be revealed to us supernaturally by the living Ruach HaKodesh, by the Spirit of God. We've been going through the Gospel of John line by line from the very beginning. I encourage you to go ahead and get all the episodes. We're gonna pick up today where we left off last time. We're presently, beloved ones, in chapter seven, at the end of last time's message, I was talking about how Yeshua was in the temple during the Feast of Sukkot, which we call in, in, in English tabernacles. And on the last day of the Feast of Sukkot, the great day of the feast called Hoshana Rabbah, Jesus cried out from the temple these words. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So Yeshua makes this pronouncement. They're anticipating the Messiah, a big celebration had just taken place at the temple. You'll have to get last, the last message in this series. And Jesus speaks out about what they were celebrating because they were celebrating that Messiah was coming. They were looking for the Messiah. A great ceremony took place that reminded them that Messiah was on the way. And in the midst of that day, Jesus basically says, I'm the one that you're looking for. I'm the Messiah. And that water that you're pouring out on the altar right now that reminds you of the spirit that will come when Mashiach, when Messiah comes, you'll have that water. It'll flow out of your innermost being if you'll come to me. Jesus was bold, loud, and clear about declaring who he was. Let me ask you, are you bold, 
loud and clear in your witness for Jesus? I hope you are. I hope you're not mamsy-pamsy, you know, well, you know, you, you don't necessarily, you know, a lot of believers, you hear me say this so often, you know, they're not strong enough in their conviction of who Jesus is to tell their neighbor about Jesus. They're too timid. They don't believe enough that people that don't believe in him will actually go to hell. But Jesus had a different understanding about who he was and what would happen to people that didn't believe in him. Jesus was very clear about himself. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew what he came to do. He knew he was the only way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. No man cometh to the Father but through me. He was very clear about who he was, and he was also very clear about what would happen to those that came to him and what would happen to those that didn't come to him. So when you met Jesus, you had to make a decision. Okay, Jesus was not someone that blended in. He wasn't someone that just blended in. He was a person with such a strong presence, personality, and word that you either were for him or you were against him, but you had to make a decision. And I think that should be true about you and I as well in our walk in the world. Our witness for Jesus, the way that we talk, the way that we live, should be so clear. Our witness verbally should be so distinct and so clear and so vocal. Our separation from the world should be so evident that when people meet us, they're going to either like us or not like us. But Jesus said, if you're of the world, the world's going to love you. You'll, you'll be able to fit in anywhere. But if you're living for me, he said, the world will hate you because I chose you out of the world. If you're of the world, the world would love you. But because I chose you out of the world, Yeshua said, therefore the world hates you. If it hated me, it will hate you. So we get to this point in the narrative now that Jesus just announced who he was. And then it says in verse number 40, some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet, the Messiah, the Mashiach. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, Surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? And so you see this division that's taking place. Some said he's the prophet we're expecting, the one Moses wrote about. Others said he's the anointed one. Others said, he's from Galilee. He's not the one. Big division. And let's continue on. They continued, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David? And from Bethlehem, the village where David was. And so a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Yeshua was, first of all, born in Bethlehem. I hope you'll get my book, Messianic Prophecy Revealed, where I go through the Hebrew Bible and look at all the scriptures there that Jesus fulfilled. And Yeshua's line is traced through his mother back to David. And so Yeshua fulfilled all the Messianic prophecies, but still, there was a great division. People didn't understand that he was born in Bethlehem. They just knew him as someone from Galilee. Can anything good from, come out of Galilee? And then again, we see the division. It's growing more and more fierce every day until it culminates with him being crucified. So this division occurs. And I want to pick up now in verse number 46. The officers answered, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, you've not also been led astray, have you? So you see, you see there, some are saying, I've never heard wisdom like this. And those 
the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders that opposed him, were saying, you're, you're deceived too. You're deceived too. Have you been led astray also? Then it continues, no one of the rulers or the Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd which does not know the law is accursed. So what's going on is that the religious leaders are saying, the only ones that are believing in him, the only ones that are believing in this Yeshua, this Jesus, are ignorant people that don't know the law. That's what's going on. None of us Pharisees, none of us scribes that actually know God's word, that know God, that know the Torah, none of us believe in him. The only people that believe in him are the accursed ones, they were saying, that don't know the law. So once again, they said, no one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Isn't that interesting how pride puffeth up and leads people away from God? They, they were so puffed up in their own knowledge, they couldn't rec recognize the Mashiach when he actually came. The word says that knowledge puffeth up, but love edifies. You see, if we go back to the very beginning of the word of God, to the book of Bereshit, the book of Genesis, or the book of beginnings, we find where it all began. The Lord said to Adam and Eve, from any tree of the garden you may eat, but from the tree of, now listen, the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For the day that thou eat, thou shalt surely die. See, the Lord wanted people to live in dependency on himself, on his spirit, in simplicity, in humility, in childlikeness before him. But when even Adam ate from the tree of knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they went from living from dependency on God to instead began to live by their own ability to figure things out for themselves. They became puffed up in knowledge, and that's what led the Pharisees and the religious leaders astray. They trusted in their own knowledge, and they became puffed up in a spirit of the anti-Messiah, which blinded them from seeing the simplicity of Jesus. He was the chief cornerstone that they stumbled over, their knowledge and their pride had blinded them to the truth. Now, of course, having a knowledge of the law when you're humble before the Lord is a most excellent thing. But without Mashiach, all that knowledge does is puff up. Beloved, one of the most challenging words of Jesus to me is found in the book of Luke chapter 23, verse 34, where Yeshua's on the cross, the people are on the ground laughing at him, jeering at him, spitting on him previously. And know what he says? He cries out to the Father as he's on the cross in agony. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There is such a depth of spiritual sight that Yeshua is conveying there because what he's revealing here is that he was able to see beyond people's offenses to the root of why they act the way they do. So oftentimes when people are cruel to us, we're so offended with the cruelty that we end up just kind of taking offense and oftentimes returning evil for evil. The challenge is 
that we ask the Lord for understanding as to why people are acting offensively to us. And oftentimes the Lord will show us, beloved, that the root of their offense to us is that they're simply afraid. And when we see why people do the things that they do, rather than being offended, a lot of times what we'll be able to do is have compassion just like Jesus did. If you've enjoyed this Seeds of Revelation, Rabbi's weekly video devotional, you can receive Seeds of Revelation each week right in your email inbox. So sign up today. Simply visit stayconnectedwithrabbi.com. As we grow closer to our Savior's return, there are still millions who have not experienced Him, from Africa to Israel and every corner of the earth. But Rabbi Schneider, through all forms of media and on-the-ground crusades, is reaching the world with inspirational teaching from a Jewish perspective, equipping the church, evangelizing the lost, and pouring into the lives of pastors and leaders around the globe. This could not happen without you, because you are an integral part in sending Him. Is God calling you to help Rabbi proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth? Give at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and he began to teach them. Isn't that beautiful? He sat down with the people. He's one of us. God made flesh. He literally, the literal Jesus, sat down among the people and began to teach. And I love this because he's sitting with you right now. Even as he sat down amongst the people. Listen in. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people were coming to him. He didn't just stand up above them. Listen. He sat down with them and began to teach. There's a time to stand up for sure, but there's also a time to just sit with people. And Jesus is sitting with you, beloved one, right next to you in your chair. He's so humble. Did you know that Yeshua is the most humble being on the planet? Yeshua that is here right now in the person of the Spirit, because Jesus makes himself available to us by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us the revelation of who he is. Did you know that the Holy Spirit, that Yeshua, is the most humble being, the softest, the gentlest, the tenderest, the most compassionate, the most understanding being on the planet, if there's anybody that you can lean your head and cry on, it's him. If there's anybody that's going to receive you, it's him. If there's anybody that's soft enough for you to share your deepest pain with, it's him. And that actually comes to bear full force in the story that continues to unfold. So as we continue the story, he sat down, began to teach, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, having set her in the center of the court. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger 
wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. What a word. First of all, I just want to accentuate the point that I just met, made earlier, that here was this woman obviously committing vile sin, and yet Jesus still loved her. Jesus still loved her. Jesus came to save sinners like you and I. So Jesus was offering her a second chance. Jesus didn't condemn her. He didn't put her to death as the religious leaders wanted. He said, woman, neither do I condemn you. No one's throwing a stone. Why? Because Jesus said, he that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. They had enough conviction of the Holy Spirit at that time in their hearts to recognize they were all guilty in some respect before God. So no one picked up a stone. Then Jesus said to the woman, woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I love the balance there. The forgiveness that we have, but also the command to stop sinning. You see, sometimes people take Yeshua's forgiveness as a license to continue to sin. Some people think all they have to do is go confess their sin, and as long as they confess their sin, their sins are forgiven. Now they can go commit the same sins over again, come back and confess, and the whole problem is taken care of again. So week after week, it's sinning, confess, then you go back out, sin again, and as long as you come back and confess, you're okay. But Jesus was calling her to a radically different upward lifestyle. He said, woman, I don't condemn you either. Now, go but sin no more. Listen, beloved, willful sin opens up a legal entryway for spirits of darkness to come and take habitation within the soul. See, when we're walking in the light, we're protected in the light. But when we're walking in the darkness, there's no protection. Now, thank God in His mercy... He's protected you and me so many times when we were in sin, even, when we, even before we came to, to, to a saving knowledge of the truth. We know that our lives could have been snuffed out, but God loved us. He had his hand on us even before we knew him. So God does at times protect people when they're in the darkness. But when people know the Lord and they know better and yet they continue to choose to sin, Oftentimes what happens, beloved, is God takes his hand of protection and mercy off those people's lives and literally demons come and gain entrance into those people's lives and literally possess them. I'm not saying that they necessarily foam at their mouth, but they literally become possessed by demonic entities. And so Jesus speaks to this woman in such tenderness, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. And uh, I want you to, to know, beloved, that if you and I are not growing in obedience, if we're not continuing to close the door of our hearts and minds to sin, to anger, to bitterness, to gossip, 
to watching the wrong things on television, to listening to the wrong things. If you and I know the Lord and we're not continuing to block sin, to check it, to keep it out, if we know the Lord and yet willfully engage in letting sin have dominion in us, I want you to know the scripture says there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment. We cannot continue to sin and expect that we're going to continue to be blessed and protected. So Yeshua says to this woman, who condemns you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I did not condemn you either. From now on, sin no more. And so I just want to encourage you, every day I'm trying my best to watch what thoughts I let to dominate my mind. Because the devil is always there. The Bible says that sin in the Torah is crouching at the door. And sin's desire is for us, but we must master it. In other words, sin is a power. It's the power of the devil. And it's crouching at the door. In other words, sin is always ready to pounce on us. The devil is looking for somebody weak to devour. The scripture says, but we must master it. Every day, all day long, the enemy is wanting to gain entrance into our thoughts. He's wanting us to agree with thoughts that are evil. He's wanting us to agree with thoughts of darkness, whether it's fear, accusation, hatred, greed, dishonesty, getting into agreement with immoral boundaries, whatever it is, the devil's always there. And if you and I aren't resisting it more and more powerfully every single day so that we're keeping our mind guarded and keeping our heart guarded, if we're not living like this, Jesus said, go and sin no more, then we're going to find ourselves in a position where hardship will come into our lives. Remember the scripture says, he that continues to sin after receiving a knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains protection for that person, but a fearful expectation of judgment, and judgment begins at the household of God. So you and I need to be fearful of sinning, and we need a revival of the fear of God in our culture today, because it's not just the love of God that keeps us walking in the straight and narrow way. It's the fear of God, knowing that if we sin, judgment and destruction will come upon us. The love of God and the fear of God are not opposites, beloved. They're complementary, and they're both manifestations of God's goodness into the human soul. Until next time, beloved, this is Rabbi Schneider saying to you, I love you. And I pray that the words that have come across to you today are words that will strengthen you and equip you to lead more and more of a righteous life. That the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart would always be pleasing to Him. Beloved, one of the things I'm always examining myself about and lifting my heart up to the Lord for is to make sure that I'm as much of a giver as he's called us to be. I mean, we think about those first disciples in the book of Acts, and they were selling all their possessions and putting all the money in one pool. And we think about Ananias and Sapphira that sold their possessions and held back just a little bit of it and how God struck them dead. And when I read about that, I feel like, oh my gosh, Lord, 
You know, am I, am I living right? I mean, I'm trying to be generous. I'm trying to show love to everybody, but I haven't sold all my possessions and given them all away so that I don't have a house or retirement or a bank account. And so I think there's wisdom and, and I think there's balance in this, but I'm always asking myself, Lord, am I doing enough? And so I would simply say the same thing to all of us. We need to make sure that we're sowing our finances into the kingdom of God. And Yeshua promised it would come back pressed down, good measure, and running over into our laps. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Or to give by credit card, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have honored God with our finances while living, but have we considered how we can honor the Lord with our finances when we pass on? For more information, click Will and Estate Gifts at DiscoveringTheJewishJesus.com. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord gave instructions to Moses and Aaron to speak this blessing over his people. And the Lord said, when you speak these words over my people, I will place my name on them and bless them. Receive the impartation of the Lord's blessings. Yavah Vayishmarecha Yair Yahweh Penavelecha Vichunecha Yisa Yahweh Penavelecha Veasem Lecha Shalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up by his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. Authentic, straightforward, and uncompromising. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Messiah, discovering the Jewish Jesus, reaching Israel and the world. Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, Rabbi teaches how to achieve genuine and lasting happiness. Don't miss this exciting episode.